بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد اللهم لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا يا كريم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأخدة من لساني يفقه قولي All praises belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we seek His assistance and we seek His guidance. And we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the evil of our souls and the adverse consequences of our deeds. Whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees guidance upon, then none can misguide him. And whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees misguidance upon, then none can guide him. And peace and salutations be upon the final messenger, Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship besides one Allah, and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his messenger. My dear brothers and sisters in Islam, uh, to the Darul Ilm team, uh, to the Mukhtasar um, Zad al-Ma'ad, or provisions for the hereafter team. I greet you all with the greetings of peace. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And uh, from the outset, I welcome you to um, our session, which we will officially call um, the first session. Uh, for our Tuesday session, we titled it um, an introductory session, and that was just a session for us to kick off this particular uh, series and uh, for us to dot the I's and cross the T's uh, with regards to that particular, or, or this particular series, um, and, you know, discuss a little bit about the book and the author and some of the etiquettes um, for this particular class and, and just some general uh, advices and thanks. And alhamdulillah, um, the team has sent out to you all uh, a recording of that introductory session and um, they have published on the sajidumar.com website um, the notes of one of the students. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all. So those notes are there uh, for you to access and have a summary and synopsis uh, pertaining to uh, the last class that we did. And inshallah, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills, um, we will try and um, ensure that we gather weekly from the students those uh, notes that um, sort of summarize the class well. And inshallah, it will be published as well. But brothers and sisters, none of this means that we should avoid attending the live session. And I want to share with you a hadith uh, in Sahih Muslim reported by Abu Hurairah radiallahu which teaches us the importance of attending uh, these live sessions. In it he says that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, مَجْتَمَعَ قَوْمٌ فِي بَيْتٍ مِنْ بُيُوتِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى يَتْلُونَ كِتَابَ اللَّهِ وَيَتَدَارَسُونَهُ فِيمَا بَيْنَهُمْ إِلَّا نَزَلَتْ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّكِينَةِ وَغَشِيَتْهُمُ الرَّحْمَةِ وَحَفَّتْهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ وَذَكَرَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَنْ عِنْدَهِ He says sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that there is no group of people who come together in a house from the houses of Allah. Yet Luna Kitab Allah, 
to recite the book of Allah. وَيَتَدَارَسُونَهُ فِي مَا بَيْنَهُمْ And uh, so that they can learn together from the lessons of this book, except that Allah showers them with, with, with divine gifts. Uh, in this hadith we see that Allah showers upon these people four things. The first thing is, إِلَّا نَزَلَتْ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّكِينَةِ Except that Allah causes contentment to befall this gathering. وَحَفَّتْهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ And Allah causes angels to surround this gathering. And Allah causes this gathering to be engulfed in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah praises this gathering. Allah proudly praises this gathering to the angels that are with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So four gifts for this gathering. Number one, Allah causes contentment to, to, to fall onto this particular gathering, to engulf this gathering. And He causes the angels to surround this gathering, this live gathering. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, causes this gathering to become engulfed in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises this gathering gathering proudly to the angels that are with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, what we must understand, brothers and sisters, is that, you know, whenever you're looking for the mercy of Allah, go and look for the circles of knowledge. Whenever you're looking for peace and contentment in your life, go and look for the circles of knowledge. Whenever you want Allah to be proud of you and praise you proudly, go and look for the circles of knowledge. Whenever you want to sit in a gathering surrounded by angels, or you want to be surrounded by angels, Go and look for the circles of knowledge. Allahu Akbar. This is a mighty hadith taught to us by the most beloved to Allah, Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that is why I reiterate to you, try your level best to attend this Saturday sitting uh, because there's great khair in coming together live. I know today we live in the age of, of, of Google and YouTube and uh, clouds and you know sound clouds and, and so on and so forth and, and everything, alhamdulillah, is recorded. I've promised you I will attempt to record these sessions. Um, I am attempting to record today's session as well. Uh, but even though this should only be there to complement our ability to uh, learn and be close to the inheritance of Rasulullah wasallam, The reality is that whenever the inheritance is being displayed, you and I should want to be in the front lines, not at the back and not doing qada. We want to be in the front lines. And just like salah, you want to be in the front line. And you want to start the salah with the imam. So you also want to get to class on time and start the lesson as the teacher starts the lesson. MashaAllah, as uh, all of you have done today, uh, inshaAllah, uh, walillahi alhamd. So, you know, our love for the, the inheritance of our beloved sallallahu alayhi wasallam should push us forward. Now, somebody might say, but hold on, the hadith says, you know, the hadith speaks about those who come together in a house from the houses of Allah. We are not in a masjid, we are, you know, in a virtual classroom. So, does... Do these gifts uh, apply to us? And the answer to that question is yes. Imam al-Shawkani, Imam al-Shawkani, a famous, famous uh, scholar, a learned scholar, um, um, and, 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 and you know, he's not a scholar from the classical scholars from the early centuries of Islam, from the later centuries of Islam, but a mighty scholar he was. Imam al-Shawkani, rahmatullahi he says that this hadith is not specific to those gatherings that happen in the masjid only. They 
this hadith applies to all circles of knowledge, whether it be in a person's home or whether it be in the masjid. And he goes on to explain that this statement of the Prophet ﷺ in a house from the houses of Allah is a statement only there not to exclude any other learning. However, just to exacerbate that the best learnings happen in a masjid, number one. And number two, that the norm at the time of the Prophet ﷺ was that these lessons would happen in the masjid. And we know that Masjid al-Nabawi was established to be the fountain of light and to be the beacon of light that would spread to the four corners of the globe. So Rasulullah ﷺ established the masjid, not just for salah, but to address the ummah, the ummah then and the ummah now for you know, we are taking lessons now from the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Many of these teachings happened in his masjid. So the masjid is not just a place of prayer. It's the place uh, that is considered the establishment of uh, Islam uh, amidst the community. The biggest decisions should happen there. Um, people should love to flock there. People should love to stay there. So Imam al-Shawkani, rahmatullahi alayhi, he says that this hadith is only teaching us that at the time of the Prophet wasallam, they used to do it there. It doesn't teach us that we only benefit from this hadith if the lesson is in the masjid. It just teaches us that the Prophet wasallam used to prefer his lessons in the masjid and this is where he would conduct his lessons from um, uh, and, and this in usul al-fiqh or the science known as jurisprudence methodology is known as the concept of kharaja makhraj al-ghalib kharaja uh, makhraj al-ghalib refers to something that exists in islamic text in a hadith in an ayah but it doesn't exist there to exclude any other circumstances it only exists there to highlight that this was the norm of the time. This was the norm of the time. So uh, this hadith applies to us uh, or applies to those lessons outside of the masajid. Now, uh, our Shaykh Hafidahullah, Shaykh Sa'ad ibn Nasr al-Shithri, um, he went on to, to add when he explained this hadith that this hadith is also inclusive also inclusive of the virtual classroom environment. The environment that you and I are in right now. This virtual classroom environment, alhamdulillah. Right? Because in terms of our time, then the norm has become that circles of ilm can happen at a much wider scale. Meaning we can have a circle of knowledge with someone sitting in Australia, someone sitting in South America, someone sitting you know, in Canada, and someone sitting in South Africa. And we can all be in one class. So it's still a circle of knowledge, but technology has allowed it to be a far uh, bigger and more vast uh, circle of knowledge. And that is why when we uh, discussed the introductory session or at the beginning, uh, I said it's important that we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rabbul Izzati wal Jalal, Al-Wahid Al-Qahar, Al-Ahad, Al-Fard, Al-Samad, Al-Ladhi Lam Yalid wa Lam Yulad, wa Lam Yakullahu Kufuwan Ahad. We praise Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because He has blessed us with this technology that can enable us to be in a circle of knowledge from the comfort of our own homes. If you looked at my latest tweet, I spoke about, mashallah, how wonderful the weather in Riyadh has been since yesterday and today. Um, there's a cool breeze, not too cold, and you know, there's a light drizzle, alhamdulillah. And you know, uh, perhaps this is the last, um, you know, uh, of that um, sort of uh, coolish weather, uh, especially for this region, before the dusty, uh, intensive heat of the summer kicks in. Right now, you can hear my session without any 
background noise, uh, but very soon you'll be listening in, brothers and sisters, and you'll be hearing my air conditioner. Uh, in the background, uh, cooling the room that I am in. So Alhamdulillah, I can be in my room, you can be in your room, we are all in the comforts of our home, but subhanAllah, it is a blessing from Allah that even though we are so far away, even though we are experiencing great comfort, we can still be in a circle of knowledge, experiencing from the great gifts, uh, enjoying the fact that Allah is, is proud of us, is praising us. Imagine if a, if a king praised you, imagine if a president praised you, imagine Imagine if your headmaster at school praised you. Imagine if your the chancellor of a university praised you. Imagine when a father or mother praises you, singles you out amidst all the siblings in your home. And how special you feel and how wonderful you feel and how it makes you a day. It really makes you happy. It puts a smile on your face. And then imagine the king of kings, the lord of the worlds, Allah, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, Rabbul Alameen, the lord of the worlds praising you and being proud of you. You and praising you to his angels, the most purest of creation, and that praise is a means of causing shaitan to become even more humiliated because shaitan shaitan did not want anyone from the son of Adam to be praised. So brothers and sisters, indeed Allah has chosen us. Let us thank Allah and let us look after the live session attendance. Also brothers and sisters, just you know, move, uh, pushing on, I promise to uh, share with you some of the other uh, thoughts that I had during our last session, but time ran out. And I was hoping to present uh, for you all... Um, some slides about some of the journeys taken uh, by uh, the scholars of hadith just to gather hadith now unfortunately the slides um, were not of that clarity or the pictures of of of, of the mappings um, well, not of the clarity for me to produce the slides, but what I will do is I will get uh, Brother Hisham or Sister Dhakira uh, to upload the pictures to the Google Groups, okay? And you can access the pictures there. Uh, but I wanted to just, uh, when, I want you to look at it, and when you look at it, I want you to just think about, subhanAllah, how these scholars of hadith covered so much ground to gather the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And remember, the, the last session that we had was about, you know, the valuable nature of this ilm. That it is more valuable than, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, a countless number of gold bricks. It is more valuable than that. And, uh, you know, that, that is why we, sp we, we spoke about we need to be patient. We need to adjust ourselves. This ilm and the matters of this ilm is worth it. It is worth it. So these scholars of hadith were covering ground. And inshallah, have a look at the maps. Now, just for your information, some of them would travel the journey of over a month, over one month, just to get one hadith. Just to get one hadith. Just because they knew that we have heard that so-and-so in this distant land, in this distant land, has something from the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He has something valuable. I need to go get it. I need it. I need that in my portfolio. I want to be honored by being a narrator of this hadith. I want to be honored so that I can be in the chain of narrators of this hadith. How honorable is it to be in a chain that ends with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam? Allahu Akbar. So they would get on their camels, get on their mounts, and you know, gather their, their zad, you know, the, the provisions. This is called zad al-ma'ad, the provisions for the hereafter. And it's called zad because as we said, Imam Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullahi alayhi, he wrote 
wrote it on a journey. So he had his provisions for his journey, his food, his water, and so on and so forth. And here he titled this book Zad, that this is the provisions for the hereafter. We on a journey to Allah. We on a journey to the hereafter. And we need also our provisions. And this book really encompasses the provisions that any traveler to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala needs. Allahu Akbar. And that's why we said it's a book of seerah, but it's a unique book of seerah. So um, they, they would you know, gather their provisions and start their journey. Now remember brothers and sisters, they were living at a time that had no telegrams, no faxes, no emails, no technology, no whatsapp, no telegram, no facebook messaging, no google groups, right? no google chat, no nothing, no skype. They didn't have all this technology that could connect one person to the other person at the blink of an eye. So they would mount their mount and start traversing to this person. And after a month, or after two months, or after two and a half months, they would get to this person's place, excited that finally the time has come, I'm going to get this hadith. Only to be told that the person passed away. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Only to be told that the person passed away. The carrier of the hadith has passed away. Now, when this person started his journey, he was told that this person is alive, and that's why he got on his journey. But think about it, two and a half months, a month, I mean today one day is too much. How many people do we see in the morning, and at night we are praying over their bodies, in, 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 uh, we are observing Salatul Janazah. Right? So, they would get to this place after this long travel, tiring travel, with sandstorms and the desert heat and the desert cold, following the stars, navigating the skyline, that you know, only to be told that this person has passed away. And in some cases, the person passed away this week, the person passed away a few days ago. Allahu Akbar, what would you and I do? We'd have our hands on our head, we'd probably be crying, probably be complaining, probably be, you know, blaming everybody else, blame the, the mount. The, the, the camel didn't go fast enough. The weather wasn't good enough. Allahul Musta'an. This is how we are today, right? Remember we were talking about how we blame our teachers. We judge our teachers. You know, they're not good enough for me. They don't crack enough jokes in the lesson. They don't captivate, it, captivate you know, make the lesson captivating enough, and so on and so forth. But I'm saying, brothers and sisters, this ilm is worth it. Right? What would we do if we, if we, we invested so much time just to get one hadith? Forget a one-hour session, just to get one hadith, and we find out that the person passed away. We'd probably come back to our homes and never engage in another journey ever, ever again. But this wasn't the way of the scholars of hadith. They would praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and make dua that Allah makes them from the people who are raised with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because Allah looks at our efforts, Allah looks at our intentions, walillahi alhamd, they were connected to Allah, they lived for Allah, they did for Allah, they left for Allah, they spoke for Allah, they remained silent for the sake of Allah, everything they did was for the sake of Allah, they made their lives a waqf, an endowment, they made 
made their lives a waqf, they gave their lives to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They made their life a life that nobody had control of besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They made it a type of waqf. So they knew that Allah is the best of rewarders and Allah is the best of protectors. وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُضِيعُ عَمَلَ الْمُحْسِنِينَ And indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not let the good of those who do good go to waste. Does not let the rewards of those who do good become lost. Subhanallah. May Allah gather us with our scholars in Jannah. May Allah give us from the patience that Allah gave them. May Allah inspire us as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired them. May Allah give us the character, the same character that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them. May Allah accept from us as He accepted from them. Ameen, Ya Rabbal Alameen. So brothers and sisters, I just wanted to share this important point to sort of, you know, cement that which we took in the last session. And inshallah, I encourage you to come to these live sessions and listen to the sessions live. May Allah increase our knowledge. Ameen. Allahumma faqihna fi deen wa'allimna ta'wil. Ya Allah, we ask you to grant us the understanding of religion and we ask you to teach us the meanings of your Quran. Ameen, Ya Rabbal Alameen. My dear brothers and sisters, with that, um, we will dive into uh, the early matters, uh, the, the introduction of the book Zad al-Ma'ad. Um, our program schedule says that we're supposed to have um, a 15-minute break right now, but given um, the exciting start that we did have, uh, let us, uh, in terms of the technical matters uh, that um, Allah um, allowed us to face and be patient through, and inshallah rewarded us, uh, allow me to request you all to please Bear with me and let us uh, continue, uh, inshallah, inshallah. Um, just a message to our sister Rubina. I'm not sure if she's if she's here. Um, I noticed that the the session link was set for 60 minutes. I'm not sure if the session will expire uh, at 60 minutes or not. If it is going to expire, then please drop me uh, a link so I can inform uh, the students uh, of, um, immediately. Okay, jazakumullah khairan. So our sister has just told us that the the, the link. Was will not uh, expire, alhamdulillah. So we will continue, inshallah. I hope you have those healthy uh, sugars with you, some dates, or maybe some dark chocolate. Uh, something to keep your um, prefrontal cortex healthy. So uh, you can follow well. Um, inshallah, we will uh, read the first portion of Zad al-Ma'ad. I will ask uh, Brother Hisham, Brother Hisham, if he can uh, bless us by... Um, Reading for us the introduction. Jazakumullahu uh, khairan. Okay. Barakallahu feekum, Akhi Hisham, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept your dua. So, brothers and sisters, uh, for those who have the notes in front of them, and I believe the book link has been sent uh, to everybody, um, we heard from uh, our brother Hisham. Uh, Ja'far, uh, Hafizahullah, may Allah preserve him uh, in his obedience. Ameen. Um, an introduction of the author, of the author um, Ibn al-Qayyim, uh, rahmatullahi alayhi. Ibn al-Qayyim, rahmatullahi alayhi. Now, obviously, this introduction is a shortened introduction. Uh, it's not the original introduction. It's a shortened introduction. And uh, obviously, as we discussed, the introduction was shortened by... Um, uh, shortened by um, Imam uh, Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab uh, Rahmatullahi So um, Allah subhanahu uh, So um, here we see uh, the author um, starting the book with Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, and this was the way of uh, the scholars Rahmatullahi Ali. 
Brother Hisham, could you just switch off your microphone, Akhil Karim? So, um, the author starts with Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. And this was the way of our scholars, Rahmatullahi Alayhim, they would start uh, all their works in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this was the teaching of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And uh, this should be uh, our way as well. This should be our way uh, as well. That, um, you know, before we start anything, we say Bismillah. Before we do anything, we say Bismillah, right? Um, and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us that the person who does something without saying Bismillah, then the thing that they do uh, is cut, is cut. Cut from what? Cut from blessings, cut from barakah. And uh, you and I, especially in this day and age, brothers and sisters, we are yearning for barakah. We are looking for barakah. Right? We, 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 we crave barakah, blessings. We crave blessings, blessings in our wealth, blessings in our time, blessings in our activities. Subhanallah, time runs away from us so fast nowadays. Right? Even our wealth, you know, um, a, a large denomination of wealth in our pockets hardly uh, lasts us. You know, we just go to a shop or two and that money. Uh, has gone and, and, and many a times we'll say, Subhanallah, is that how much we spent already? Right? This is what happens. And this is from the signs of Qiyamah, brothers and sisters, this whole concept of blessings being removed um, from this world. And um, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam spoke about this whole concept of, you know, يَتَقَارَبُ zaman, the coming together of time. The coming together of time. And, and this refers to time losing its blessings. It's not that we will have less than 24 hours in a day. No, we'll have our 24 hours, but it will feel as if we have only 12 hours. Right? And I'm sure if, uh, you've, you know, I've said this before and I'm going to say it to you all again, that you know, go and ask your grandparents, for those who have their grandparents alive, may Allah protect them and, and preserve them. Ask them that, you know, how was time when you were young? Right? Just do that. And you'll probably find them saying that, you know what, when we were younger, we would plan to do 10 things in a day. And by Zuhr, we would have finished all 10 things. Subhanallah. And how is it today? Today, you and I, we plan to do 10 things, right? We plan to do 10 things. And um, what happens? They make the Adhan of Maghrib and we've only done 5. They make the adhan of maghrib and we've only done five, subhanallah. Has anyone experienced this? Right? Um, so, you know, this is, and, and, and look, as you guys, some are saying all the time, some are saying yes, and, and most of you are saying all the time. This is what happens. We plan to do ten things and maghrib is done and we've only done five. So, this is, you know, a sign from the signs of qiyamah, the coming together of time. So we need barakah, brothers and sisters. And from the means of achieving barakah is by saying Bismillah. Before you go into a meeting, even if it's online, say Bismillah. Before you go uh, into a, a meeting on the telephone, say Bismillah. 
Even before you make a telephone call to anybody, say Bismillah. Perhaps Allah will inspire you to spend less time on the call, but make both parties feel as if you've spent a longer time on the call, a longer time in the meeting. And remember I said this class is not um, uh, exclusive to the people working in the da'wah, but especially for those working in the da'wah. And that's why my examples will will tread the path of um, those activities in the da'wah, right? You know, if you, if you want to raise some funds, say Bismillah. Perhaps you might not hit your target. But Allah will put barakah in the amount that you've raised, that it will give you more than the original target that you, you, know, that you intended to raise. Meaning, the output of the little that you received will give you more than the entire amount that you were aiming to raise in the first place. This is barakah. This is barakah from Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we must always start with Bismillah. Before we eat, Bismillah. When we get into our vehicle, Bismillah. Even when you're putting petrol at the gas station, say Bismillah. Perhaps Allah will bless it and it will give you more mileage. And that will be better for the environment as well, inshaAllah. Right? So never ever forget Bismillah, my dear brothers and sisters. This was the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And all the greatest people after him, they were people that remained upon his way. And they would say, Bismillah. So the secret for each and every one of us getting blessings and barakah in our life is to remember Bismillah. And we learn this from the fact that the author, Rahmatullahi Alayhi, begins his book by saying, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. And it can be loosely translated as, in the name of Allah, the most beneficent, the most merciful. Now, um, Ar-Rahman in the Tasmiyah and by, uh, or in Basmalah, Basmalah, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim uh, in Arabic is known as Basmalah or it has been titled as uh, Basmalah. So if somebody tells you read the Basmalah, basically they're telling you to say, say Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Right, so it's called Basmalah. And this is how the Arabic language is. The Arabic language has the ability to uh, give a noun, a name to an entire sentence. So Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim is a sentence, but it's given it a name. And that name is Basmalah. Just like La Hawla wa La Quwwata illa Billah. We call it Hawqalah. In the Arabic language, this is called Hawqalah. So if somebody says, recite the Hawqalah, they mean you should say, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And uh, this is the way that we recognize Allah's blessings when we say, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Right? Uh, as Allah says in Surah Al-Kahf when He tells us about the story of the two people, uh, or the story of the two people, uh, or, or, the, or rather the story of the two gardens. And there were two people in the story. Right? And uh, one person uh, had a garden, or, or two gardens that Allah uh, blessed to be self-sustained and blessed with the most amazing produce and agriculture and plantations. And Allah placed between these two gardens a river. And the river would flow through these two gardens at, you know, at the right current. You know, flow through the garden, gardens at a current that would allow water to seep out of the river into the gardens, which would water the plantations of the gardens without over flooding the garden. And it, the river didn't have an, uh, you know, a low 
uh, undercurrent which would cause um, uh, you know the river to 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 flow at a speed which would not allow water to seep out of the river into the garden. So Allah even gave it a perfect current, right? So that the the river would water the garden itself. And this person didn't have to do anything. He would just have to wake up every day and see new fruits and see new flowers and see new trees and so on and so forth. He didn't have to water it. He didn't have to do anything. Right? So this person, Allah tested him and he became a bit arrogant. And his friend advised him and said, It was better for you when you went into your garden to say, Masha Allah, la quwwata illa billah. Right? To say, Masha Allah, you know, this garden is as Allah willed. La quwwata illa billah. There's no power except from Allah. Right? There's no power and no might except from Allah. And, 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 and everything that happens to us is from Allah, not from ourselves. So this is just a little footnote to what we would call the hawqala. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. So if somebody says recite the hawqala, they're telling you to say la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And in the books of fiqh, when you read the books of fiqh and they're discussing the adhan, you find uh, uh, the, the, the scholars of fiqh, or some of the scholars of fiqh, when they get to hayya ala salah and hayya ala al-falah, they would say, or they would term it the hayya ala, the hayya ala. So if you're ever reading a book of fiqh one day, and you've studied the Arabic language, and you get to this point and, and you see the term hayya ala, you know what the author is talking about. He's talking about hayya ala salah and hayya ala al-falah. So this is how amazing the Arabic uh, language is. So we have Basmala, we have Hawqala, we have Hay'ala, and so on and so forth. So Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim is known as Basmala. In Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, we have Ar Rahman. Ar Rahman, and for those who are with me in Dubai when we studied the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we delved into this name. And Ar Rahman is, um, is, is the expressive form. Uh, or, or is a name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that exists in the expressive form, the expressive sense that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not just the most beneficent, but He's, the perpet- he's perpetually beneficent, right? So, um, uh, given the style and form of the name, we understand a nuance or reality to the actual name Ar-Rahman. So yes, Allah is the most beneficent. There's no one that uh, gives like Allah and gifts like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and forgives like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and we know our situation and how weak we are and how Allah continuously gives us. And this is the point to notice, continuously. It's not that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is merciful sometimes and not merciful at other times. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the, is the perpetually merciful one, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this term, Rahman, as our scholars, rahmatullahi alayhim, say, this term uh, entails the all-encompassing mercy of Allah, which includes mercy that Allah showers even upon the disbelievers. Right? Um, for the fact that they are from the creation of Allah, we know that the disbelievers eat, they drink, they have a financial standing, they have material well-being, they have children, they have homes, and so on and so forth. So uh, this 
the enjoyment that they have or the amenities that they enjoy rather, this is from the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ar-Rahman. But for the believers, those who have accepted the oneness of Allah, they have declared the oneness of Allah, and they have accepted the prophecy of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then for them is a specific mercy, is a special mercy, and that mercy is understood from another name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ar-Rahim. Ar-Rahim. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Ar-Rahim citing the, you know, Him subhanahu wa ta'ala being the especially merciful one. Meaning especially merciful to who? To the believing ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Then we see the author go on to uh, praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, uh, and, and send salutations upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in a form titled Khutbatul Haja. Khutbatul Haja. Uh, um, this is the name um, of this particular introduction, and you heard me, in, you know, introduce today's program with it, the last program with it, and future. You'll hear me, inshallah, introduce every talk that I do with it. You know, once somebody wrote to me and said uh, that you know, um, when you start your talks, you should start immediately because um, when you do the the Arabic khutbah and then translate it, um, it's it's too long. It loses the audience. It loses the audience. Now I know where he's coming from because. Because I also, as a hobby, I, I like to read the books of leadership and management and so on and so forth. And, and they discuss these things in better public speaking. And they discuss these things in terms of um, you know, conducting your meetings better and, 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 and keeping the audience motivated. So I understood where uh, the brother, may Allah preserve him, who was advising me, may Allah reward him, where he was coming from. He was saying, Sheikh, you know, your talks are, uh, are mashallah. Uh, but uh, just, you know, if you're at the beginning, if you could just, you know, get into the talk, so that captivates the audience more. And I said, look, Barakallahu fiqh akhil kareem, but for me personally, uh, I understand where you're coming from, um, and just to share with you my point of view, not to belittle your advice, but it is something I've thought of, but in terms of khutbatul hajah, this is something which we would say is from the thawabit in a talk that we do. Thawabit means from the established matters in the talks that we do, especially when we talk about religion. Why do I say it's from the established matters? Because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam began his speeches with this khutbah. So there's definite khair in it. There's definite blessings in it. And subhanallah, wallahi, uh, brothers and sisters, you know, sometimes um, we have to travel long distances and, 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 and sometimes we land and we have to go into talks immediately from the airport to the masjid. And you know, you're tired, you're mentally tired, and sometimes, subhanAllah, um, you, you know, when you try and think back about some of the points that you said in the talk, you can't help but feel that it was guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And personally, personally, um, from a personal experience, when I observe the khutbatul hajah or begin my talk with the khutbatul hajah, يعني, it's like, you know, it's like you go onto autopilot, or should we say cruise control. You know, you 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 just in you start basking in the guidance of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and the mercy of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. That you started with Bismillah and then you followed the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam with this khutbah to say Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alamin was Salatu was Salamu ala Rasulillah uh, and so on and so forth. You know, whether it's the long form of the khutbah or a shortened form of the khutbah, but being true to the sunnah of the Prophet. Because remember, brothers and sisters, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he came and taught us this entire deen. 
right? And uh, this deen was taught to us with him, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, starting his speeches with this khutbah. So there's definite khair in it, and we must consider it from the established matters. Yes, we benefit from the books of leadership and development and so on and so forth, but we take the good, and we also ensure that we look after the good that the sharia uh, has taught us, and the sharia, uh, obviously the teachings of the sharia has come to us from Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So this is just a personal experience that I'm sharing with you that subhanallah, you know, the tiredness goes when you when you say this khutbah and, and you feel, you know, that you are being guided in your speech uh, when you observe this khutbah. And Imam Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullahi alayhi, he begins his book with this khutbah as well. And as you can see, the book is amazing, walillahilhamd. And this wasn't just his way. This was the way of the Anbiya, alayhimu salatu wassalam. And then the author goes on to build this particular introduction upon an ayah in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is uh, the ayah in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَرَبُّكَ يَخْلُقُ مَا يَشَاءُ وَيَخْتَارُ Right? So basically the author has built his introduction upon this ayah. Allahu Akbar. And this is, you know, you can't help but feel that he was being inspired by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How many ayat are there in the Quran? But he chooses to open this book and perhaps maybe he was inspired in his journey. Looking at, you know, the, the day and the night and the stars and the sun and the moon and, and, and the different temperatures. Perhaps, you know, in a journey you, you have um, uh, time to ponder. You know, it's it's called, I'm sure uh, some of our sisters will relate to this term, it's therapeutic, right? right? Some sisters, they, 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 they have the, they, they require this therapeutic moment, and, and, and it shouldn't just be for the sisters, it should be for the brothers as well, right? These therapeutic moments, where you're doing something, you might be washing the dishes, or ironing the, your clothes, or cooking a meal, and you have that silence around you, and the reason why I say it, uh, is because obviously I've heard this from the sisters at, at, at these particular junctures, that subhanallah, you know, it might be, uh, Sister Madia is saying, or when I'm writing, so you have these therapeutic moments, where you just, you know, your mind goes into a deep state of consciousness and you start uh, appreciating things that you would not appreciate normally or you would fail to recognize normally. So perhaps the Imam, Rahmatullahi Alayhi, was, you know, having these therapeutic moments on top of his mount and, you know, uh, he decides to, he's inspired to open his book with this ayah. An amazing ayah, an amazing ayah. And as you can uh, see, uh, this particular ayah is uh, in Surah Al-Qasas, um, Surah number 28, ayah number 68. Uh, and I, I prefer to say Surah and uh, uh, ayah because uh, the Arabic indication from these two terms uh, is far vast and far greater than uh, what you would understand when you use the term verse or chapter. So, for those who, who, who are not familiar with the Arabic language, when I say surah, I mean chapter, and when I say verse, I mean, uh, when I say ayah, I mean verse, but I prefer to use the Arabic term, term or, or terminologies because uh, the, the, the indications and linguistic indications are far more robust, are far more, um, uh, you know, are far more deeper uh, than what we would understand uh, from uh, the English text. Um, brothers and sisters, sometimes you might see me uh, speaking but sidetracking as, as I speak. It's not because I'm not paying attention to you per se, uh, but it's because obviously this is a live classroom. Uh, 
I look at some of the messages that you are sending to me, both publicly uh, and privately, and just to keep the flow of the class, um, I, I keep the, the chain of thought going, or I try to, but I might slow down in speech. Uh, when I do so, just understand that some messages have come across, and I am looking at them. Uh, and this is especially for those listening to the recordings, because um, normally uh, a normal lecture will have uh, a far more fluid flow, but this is a classroom environment, even though you cannot hear uh, the students. Uh, and even though I cannot hear you all, I can definitely see you all, see your names and see your, your messages. May Allah bless you all. Wallahi, you are all kind people. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gather us uh, in Jannah together. Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. So the Imam, uh, Rahmatullahi alayhi, he goes on to, to, to say, uh, or goes on to, uh, after his introduction, to cite this ayah. And brothers and sisters, this, this is a mighty way to uh, start off your introduction. And let's not forget, this is the introduction. This is not the crux of the book. Uh, this is the introduction uh, to the book. And the introduction has to be mighty. Any introduction to any book, especially for those who are writers here, it has to be a mighty introduction. Because, you know, sadly, first impressions are the last impressions. That's the norm of the society that we live in. Uh, we, we, are very imp- we have become impatient human beings. We are quick to judge other people. Uh, we are quick to hold them to account for a mistake here or there. And, and sort of judge their abilities based on their, their weak points rather than their strong points. Right? So, you know, we tend to have uh, these weaknesses. And these, are, these are, are definitely weaknesses. It's not the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam. Uh, to behave in this manner, so we must uh, fix ourselves, no doubt. Uh, but um, coming back to the original point, the introduction has to be good, because if the in- introduction fails, then that sort of kills the, the motivation of the reader to complete the rest of the book. And Ibn al-Qayyim, rahmatullahi alayhi, here, is writing a book which is five to six volumes long. So uh, definitely the introduction has to be uh, mightily worthy, and indeed he, de- he did start his book in a mighty way, citing the ayah and building his introduction upon this ayah. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, uh, the, the translation that our brother Hisham, Hafidahullah, may Allah preserve him, um, uh, recited. And by the way, brother Hisham um, is 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 a blessed young lad, mashallah, and and from um, you know one of my closest students and one of the the people that I love for the sake of Allah. Um, to you know, uh, please uh, excuse um, the technical issues that happened. He is in charge of this classroom, and I have thrown it on him, mashallah, because I believe people that have potential, uh, we should open for them the opportunity for being responsible. And uh, for me. It's a great honor that he makes mistakes whilst I am alive, so I can be honored to correct him. Uh, may Allah preserve uh, my life and preserve your life in, in, in his obedience, uh, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and not cause us to pass away suddenly. Uh, but my aim is uh, to, to, to allow him to, to make mistakes. He is young and upcoming. He's only a teenager, mashallah, believe it or not. Um, but my intention is to allow him uh, to make those mistakes whilst I am alive, so I can at least be privileged to correct him, perhaps after I pass away, he will be a sadaqatul jariya for me. Um, Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. So, um, uh, Brother Hisham, Hafidahullah, uh, he, in, in his introduction, obviously, he's reading from the translation that, that you all have. And the translation has basically uh, kept the, tr- uh, the, the most correct translation of the ayah for you all. If you look at the translation very carefully, it's translated as um, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates what he wants, and Allah chooses 
Uh, Alright, so this is how the translation has come across. And this is the correct translation, my dear brothers and sisters, because we have some... Um, um, people who have explained this ayah um, with the wrong understanding. And they basically said, Wallahu yakhluqu ma yasha'u wa yakhtar. This refers to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, creating what Allah wants to create. And Allah chooses what He wants to create. So, yakhtar in this ayah, which is translated as Allah chooses, uh, they would explain it, or, or they explain it as Allah is the one who chooses what He creates. Now, there's a problem in this translation. Why? Because uh, in terms of meaning, it's correct. Indeed, Allah chooses what He creates, and Allah creates what He wills. There's no problem with that. But when we translate the ayah this way, if we say uh, the ayah means Allah creates and Allah chooses what He creates, whilst this is true, we haven't given the ayah all of its meaning. Okay? So the ayah is not saying, and, 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 and that's why I'm saying, I'm highlighting that it, ha- it has been translated correctly for you all. We have uh, others that mistranslated the ayah. Right? They said, they said, the ayah means Allah creates and chooses what He creates. There's no problem in the statement, but it, but it is an incorrect explanation of the ayah. Rather, rather, the correct translation is, Allah creates and Allah gives a rank and honor and precedence to certain parts of His creation over other parts. That is the complete meaning of the ayah. Meaning Allah creates and nobody has a say in what He creates. And it is also Allah who gives rank and nobody has a say in who Allah gives rank to. This is the correct translation of the ayah. So, yakhtar, this Arabic word yakhtar, uh, or, or this verb which refers to Allah choosing, it's, it, the, the, the verb, yes, it does mean Allah chooses what He creates, but it also means Allah chooses who He wishes to give rank to. Who he gives, who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses to give rank to. And this is the reality, my dear brothers and sisters. And uh, perhaps the Imam, rahmatullahi alayhi, was, you know, having that Iman boost, looking at the creation of Allah, and understanding the Lordship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and how Allah is complete in His rububiyyah, in His Lordship, complete in His uluhiyyah, in terms of Allah being the only one worthy of worship, complete in His names and attributes, in terms of nobody else having the ability to enjoy any portion of the names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He created the skies, and look how perfect the skies are. He created the clouds, and look how the clouds shower um, uh, you know, its fruits at different places and not at one place. He created the stars, and some of them twinkle, twinkle more brightly than others. He created the moon, and the moon has these different stages. He created the mountains, but He also created flat land. And some mountains have been given a recognition that other mountains haven't been given. And this, you know, when you ponder over this, that subhanAllah, as the Imam is, is on this journey, having these therapeutic moments, this is what he's thinking about. That how amazing is the Lordship of Allah. SubhanAllah, He created this. And no one could say, why did you create it this way? And why didn't you 
created that way, subhanallah. So you know, perhaps he's looking at, at the sky and remembering this ayah, مَا كَانَ لَهُمُ الْخِيَرَ Nobody had a say in what Allah created. Nobody had a say in what Allah chose and in who Allah gave rank to and in who Allah gave honor to. All this points to the completeness of the Lordship of Allah, the completeness of His uh, of His uluhiyyah and the unity of His worship and the completeness of His amazing names and attributes, subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah allow us to see His face in Jannah. Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. So this is an amazing ayah and I want you to live the journey of the Imam and that's why I'm taking time to uh, express a little bit of, you know, um, what, what possibly the, the Imam could be thinking about when he chose to put this ayah because this ayah is amazing. And when we ponder over these things, brothers and sisters, then uh, and ponder over the creation of Allah and ponder over how Allah has has distributed the, you know wealth amongst people, distributed health amongst people, and how, how Allah chooses and so on and so forth. You know, it, we cannot help. We cannot help, but feel in awe uh, and we cannot help uh, but you know feel our iman grow and feel love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and feel the need to 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 praise Allah and feel the need to worship Allah and feel the need to read the Quran and feel the need to to leave sin and so on and so forth and indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises those who ponder over the creation inna fi khalqi samawati wal ard wa ikhtilaf al-layli wal nahar la ayatin Allah says, indeed, um, uh, in the creation of the skies and the earth, and in the differences of the day and night, ayat are signs, signs of Allah existing, signs of Allah being the only one worthy of worship. For who, ya Allah? albab, The people of understanding. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us those people of understanding. Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Hadha wallahu a'lam. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa السلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome back brothers and sisters to our part 2 of today's uh, session I hope you had um, a blessed short break Just before the break Alhamdulillah we were discussing this ayah uh, in the book of Allah that Ibn Al-Qayyim rahmatullahi alayhi used uh, to open uh, his introduction and that is Wallahu yakhluqu ma yasha'u wa yakhtar and the correct translation of this ayah is that indeed Allah chooses what he creates subhanahu wa ta'ala and chooses uh, uh, certain parts of his creation to give rank and honor and precedence to over others indeed it is all Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and no one, no one has a hand in this and to understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, then look at the seven skies that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created. For indeed, He subhanahu wa ta'ala created the seven skies and the particles and, and material makeup of the skies are the same. But even though they are the same, Allah chose a special rank. He chose a special precedence. He chose a special place for which sky? The highest sky the seventh sky, and he chose for that sky to be close 
closer to his angels and he chose for that sky to be closer to his arsh subhanahu wa ta'ala and like this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the seven heavens and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as he created the seven heavens he chose a special uh, placement for the highest place of Jannah Al-Firdaus Al-Firdaus Al-A'la May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from the highest uh, Jannah known as Al-Firdaus Al-A'la He gave this Jannah a special rank He gave this Jannah a special precedence He gave this Jannah a special honor and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose this Jannah for the best of people and He chose for the roof of this Jannah to be His Arsh Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in the Sunnah, we find a hadith which teaches us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala planted the plantations of this Jannah with His hands. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the heavens and He chose Jannatul Firdaus to have a, a more special presence than the other paradises that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created. And just like this, my dear brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the angels. And He created the angels but gave a special rank and a special precedence to three angels. He gave rank to Israfil and He gave rank to Mikail and He gave rank to Jibreel alayhi salatu wassalam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the malaika, thousands and thousands and thousands of angels. Angels that you and I don't know of, angels that we know of, but in terms of rank, in terms of mention, in terms of uh, uh, praise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has listed these three angels to enjoy a special honor and a special precedence. We know in the night prayer of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in his tahajjud, he would open his salah by saying, Allahumma rabba Jibreel wa Mikail wa Israfil. As we find in the hadith in Sahih Muslim, uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would open his night prayer by saying, uh, Oh Allah, the Lord of Jibreel and Mikail and Israfil. So here, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has been taught by Allah to open his salah with this particular dua. And in this dua, three angels are mentioned. Out of the thousands and thousands and thousands of angels, three angels are mentioned. So Allah has created His angels, but He's given a special rank to three. He's given rank to the angel known as uh, Jibreel alayhi salam. The angel that, that, that was given the task of bringing life to the hearts of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For He was entrusted with revelation. And revelation gives spiritual life to the spiritually dead. And then we have Mikail. Mikail, the angel who was given the task of giving physical life to people in the sense that Allah made Mikail in charge of rain. And rain is the means of life on earth. And indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَجَعَلْنَا مِنَ الْمَاءِ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ حَيٍّ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that indeed we have made everything alive from water. Or we have made water the foundation of of everything uh, that is alive. And this angel Mikail alayhi salam is responsible for rain, that rain which falls onto a barren land by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and gives life to this land, gives life to this dead land. So we have the Qur'an giving life to a dead heart. And we have the rain giving life to dead land. And in Surah Al-Hadid, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, رَبُّ الْعِزَّةِ وَالْجَلَالِ الْوَاحِدُ الْقَهَّارِ 
he says subhanahu wa ta'ala أَلَمْ يَأْنِ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَنْ تَخْشَعَ قُلُوبُهُمْ لِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ وَمَا نَزَلَ مِنَ الْحَقِّ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, has a time not come for the believers to have hearts that are filled with khashyah, this fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with knowledge of Allah. Because this is the meaning of khashyah. Khashyah does not mean fear. Khawf in the Arabic language means fear. Khashyah refers to fear with knowledge. With knowledge. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاء That indeed the true people who have khashya are the ulama. Because the ulama are the people of knowledge. So khashya is this fear coupled with knowledge where you know who you're fearing. You understand who you're fearing. And you know the punishment of, the, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you disobey. And you know the evidences about that punishment. And you know the prize for those who obey. And you know the evidence for those prizes. This is a higher level of submission to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, has a time not come for the believers to have hearts filled with khashya. Why? Because of this revelation. Because of that which Jibreel was sent with to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Has a time not come for their hearts to experience this khashya, especially when Jibreel has come with that which gives life to a dead heart, give spiritual life to a dead heart. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا يَكُونُ كَالَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ مِنْ قَبْلِ فَطَالَ عَلَيْهِمُ الْأَمَدِ فَقَسَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ وَكَثِيرٌ مِّنْهُمْ فَاسِقُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and do not be like the people of before. They went away from this message that gives life to the dead heart. So thus they became a victim of time, they became attached to the dunya, they left obedience to Allah, and uh, most of them became sinners and were considered sinful people. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us in this ayah that revelation gives life to the heart. And that's why Jibreel was dubbed as the angel who brings spiritual life because he was entrusted with... um, with revelation that brings life to a dead heart. After that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, and know, i'lamu anna Allah yuhyi al-arda ba'da mawtiha. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after this ayah says, and know that Allah gives life to the dead, uh, gives life to dead land. That Allah revives land after it was dead. With who? Or through who? Allah has entrusted Mikail, alayhi salam. To bring life to this dead land. How? By giving Mikail the responsibility and giving him the ability to bring rain. So in Surah Al-Hadid, subhanAllah, we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inferencing and referencing uh, uh, Jibreel alayhi salam and Mikail alayhi salam. That in, 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 in the first ayah, uh, there's a discussion pertaining to that which Jibreel alayhi salam has been entrusted with. And in the next ayah, there's reference to that which Mikail alayhi salam has been entrusted with. Subhana Rabbi al-A'la, how amazing is the Qur'an, and how amazing is this deen, and, and, and look how well connected all the parts of the sharia are. When we look at the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and then we look at the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Qur'an. So, Allah created thousands of angels. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala singled these three angels. And out of these three angels, even though they enjoyed this rank and this precedence and this honor, we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala giving a special precedence, a special rank 
to Jibreel alayhi salam, entrusting Jibreel alayhi salam with the most important of tasks, and that is revelation. Entrusting Jibreel alayhi salam with the process of visiting the most important from the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that is the messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the angels, and He gave a precedence to three uh, from His angels and a special rank, and indeed with this we understand that Allah creates what He wants and He raises in rank who He wants subhanahu wa ta'ala and nobody has a say in the matter. And just like this my dear brothers and sisters then look at you and I as the children of Adam alayhi salam and notice that yes as Bashar, as the children of Adam alayhi salam, we say, we share the same entities. We all have hearts, and we have minds, and we have souls, and we have a nafs, and we have uh, um, you know a, a eyes and a nose and a mouth and 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 lungs and blood, and we need to eat. And we have the same weaknesses and we have the same desires. We are all the children of Adam alayhi salam. But even though our makeup is the same, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given special precedence and special rank to certain parts from the children of Adam over others. He's given a special precedence and honor to some of the children of Adam alayhi salam over others. Thus note how Allah raised His prophets uh, uh, in rank over the rest of the children of Adam alayhi salam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as taught to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, sent 124 prophets, 120, sorry, 124,000 prophets. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised the rank of 124,000 people from the children of Adam alayhi salatu wa salam, 124,000 prophets did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send. And from these prophets, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose His messengers and gave them a rank which was different to the ranks of the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And He he, he chose messengers from them, those that we know as Rusul, the messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us in the hadith of Abu Dharr, Allah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose 313 messengers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent 313 messengers. So Allah raised in rank 124,000. Those were His Anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam, the Prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, uh, raised... Um, um, 313, 313 and gave them a rank that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't give to others and titled these, um, uh, these individuals messengers. Now, somebody might ask and say, is there a difference between a messenger and a prophet? Or is it the same thing? Is it the same thing? Well, brothers and sisters, our scholars, rahmatullahi alayhim, they have discussed this. They have discussed this and they have formulated several views regarding prophets and messengers. Is a prophet a messenger? Is a messenger a prophet? Are they both the same? Are these just two words for one thing? Or are they two words for two different things? They've discussed it in the past, rahmatullahi alayhim. And we have several views from them. Are those scholars who say there's no difference between a Nabi and there's no difference between a Rasul. 
and uh, they're both the same thing. Uh, we can call a Nabi a Nabi, and we can call him a Rasul, and we can call a Rasul a Nabi, and call a Rasul a Rasul as well. So, there's no difference here. They are two words referring to the same thing. And we have a second group of scholars who say uh, that An-Nabiyu akhassu minar Rasul. That um, a Nabi, a Prophet of Allah, is more specific than a messenger. So every messenger is a prophet and not every prophet is a messenger. And then we have the third view of the scholars which says, Ar-Rasulu akhassu minan-Nabi. That a messenger is more specific than a prophet. The third one is, every messenger is a prophet and not every prophet is a messenger. Right? So just these are two opposing views. So let me repeat that for you. The first view says that there's no difference between the term Nabi and the term Rasul. Every prophet is a messenger and every messenger is a prophet. They're just two names for one individual that Allah has chosen. The second view of the scholars say, no, this cannot be true. What we understand is that the term Nabi is more specific and the term Rasul is more general, which means every Rasul is a prophet and not every prophet is a Rasul or a messenger. So every messenger is a prophet, but not every prophet is a messenger. The third view is the total opposite. They say no, the prophet is the general term, the messenger is the specific term, which means every messenger was a prophet and not every prophet was a messenger. So what's the correct view? What is the correct view? In my humble view, and this is the view of our Sheikh, Sheikh Saleh al-Sheikh Hafizahullah, the correct view is that Al-Rasul akhassu min al-Nabi. So the correct view is the third view. The correct view is that every messenger is a prophet, but not every prophet is a messenger. This is the correct view. Uh, perhaps Brother Hisham can type it in the box. Uh, every messenger is a prophet, but not every prophet is a messenger. This is the correct view, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Now, what is the view of the first group of scholars? Surely, uh, what is the evidence, sorry, for the first group of scholars? Surely, uh, the first group of scholars who have said that there's no difference between the terminologies, then uh, surely they must have evidence. And the reality is, yes, they do have uh, evidence. And that is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Hajj, uh, ayah number 52, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ مِنْ رَسُولٍ وَلَا نَبِيٍ إِلَّا إِذَا تَمَنَّا أَلْقَ الشَّيْطَانِ فِي أُمْنِيَّتِهِ so Allah says that we have not sent before you a Rasul or a Nabi. Right? Except that when we revealed to uh, this particular person, that could be a Rasul or a Nabi, Shaytan tried to pollute that revelation with his whispers. Okay? So what's the point to note here? They say, look, you know, a lot of the times, or, or, or the main argument with regards to those who uh, differentiate between a Rasul and Nabi, they say a Rasul is someone who Allah revealed a book to, and a Nabi is someone who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not reveal a book to. Right? So, so those who say there's a difference between Rasul and Nabi, they say a Rasul is someone who Allah gave a book to, like the Quran, like the Torah, like the Injil. So if Allah revealed... To a prophet, this prophet becomes a messenger. 
And if Allah didn't reveal to this Prophet, then he remains a Prophet and he does not become a Messenger. So the scholars of this particular group that say there's a clear differentiation, these scholars say, these scholars say that in this particular ayah, Allah doesn't separate between a Rasul and a Nabi. Allah says in, in, in ayah 52, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ That we have not sent before you, O Muhammad, مِنْ رَسُولٍ A messenger, وَلَا Nabi Or a prophet, except that when we revealed to him. So they say, look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here is telling us that Allah reveals to prophets and Allah reveals to messengers. Allah reveals to a Nabi and Allah reveals to a, a Rasul. Right? Uh, so um, basically, uh, we understand from this here that there's no difference. And it's incorrect for anyone to say, it's incorrect for anyone to say that a messenger is someone who Allah reveals to and comes with revelation, and a prophet is someone who Allah didn't reveal to. They say this ayah cancels out that understanding. So our view is that there's no difference between a Nabi and a messenger. Okay, what's the evidence for the scholars of the third view? And we said this is the correct view. That every messenger is a prophet and not every prophet is a messenger. Well, uh, firstly they say that if, you know, linguistically, linguistically, the term Nabi, the term Nabi comes from Naba. Which means that a Nabi carries the meaning of informant. Okay, informant. And the term Nabi linguistically also comes from An-Nubuwa. An-Nubuwa. And An-Nubuwa refers to this concept of being raised in rank, as prophets are, they, they are raised in rank, alhamdulillah, and having a platform different to others. Right? Just like a king, a king has a platform known as a throne. Nobody has that platform. So, Nubuwa has two linguistic meanings. Two linguistic meanings. The first meaning uh, of, of, of uh, Nabi uh, refers to informing someone of something or being an informant linguistically. And Nabi, the second linguistic meaning refers to having a podium that other people don't have. So, this is the linguistic meaning of Nabi. However, Rasul linguistically refers to messenger. So, if they are one and the same thing, how come their linguistic meanings are different? And we know that the Sharia is built upon the Arabic language. Right? If they were one and the same thing, why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give them two names which have totally different meanings? Right? Um, uh, or, or, or meanings that definitely have a clear difference between them. So what's clear, brothers and sisters, is that the difference of opinion between the scholars is founded upon also the difference of meaning between the two terms in the Arabic language. So this is one of the views of the scholars, rahmatullahi alayhim. Now, in terms of further explaining the difference and, 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 and uh, further offering evidence that there is definitely a difference between the two terms is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the same surah and in the same ayah Allah says, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ مِنْ رَسُولٍ وَلَا نَبِيٍ So, the scholars of the third view, they use the evidence of the scholars of the first view against them. 
They say, look, Allah in this ayah, Allah mentions Rasul and Nabi. And the principle of the Qur'an is that there's nothing excess to requirement in the Qur'an. If Allah mentions two things, then there's two specific meanings. If the meaning was the same, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would just mention Rasul or He would just mention Nabi. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not say, min Rasulin wala Nabiyin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not mention both terminologies when there's no need to mention the second terminology. If the meaning is understood from the first, because the Qur'an is the book of excellence, and the Qur'an is the book of eloquence. Right? So, how can it be that, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to one thing, and we know that from the principles of the Qur'an, there's nothing extra to requirement, and here Allah places something extra to requirement. Right? So they say the fact that Allah mentioned Nabi and Rasul means that there is a difference between the two individuals. There's a difference between a Nabi and there's a difference between a Rasul. There's also a linguistic nuance here, and that boils down to the grammatical understanding of the letter wow in the Arabic language. But I'm not going to dive into that uh, with you all. Why? Because uh, already we're discussing something slightly technical, and I don't want to take the scope of discussion too far outside uh, your remit uh, of understanding. This is an English audience, walillahilhamd. But the main point you need to understand is this, that from the principles in the Qur'an, Allah doesn't mention anything extra to requirement. And this is true even, uh, or understood, even in the stories of the Qur'an. If we look at the Qur'anic stories, we don't see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us every single detail of the story. Like in Surah Yusuf, Allah didn't tell us the name of the minister's wife. Because there was no need for us to know her name. If there was benefit in it, Allah would have told us. Right? So, there's nothing, uh, for example, in Surah Yusuf as well, many people say, why doesn't Allah speak about the mother of Yusuf alayhi salam? Doesn't a mother love her son more than a father? But Allah mentions Ya'qub alayhi salam. Allah doesn't mention the mother of Yusuf alayhi salam. And that answer to the question is the same. That for the purpose uh, um, or, or, uh, the purpose that the surahs uh, um, served to cover when Allah revealed it, given the circumstances, why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed it, what the purpose was accomplished in how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed it. If the purpose was not accomplished, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have mentioned the mother of Yusuf alayhi salam. Right? Because we know at the end Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses Yusuf alayhi salam raising his, his, his two parents, meaning his mother and his father. And the scholars of tafsir have differed in terms of who, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the mother was. Was it his original mother? Was it a mother that Yaqub married after? And so on and so forth. But as I said, Allah didn't give us specifics. The scholars of tafsir have tried to explain. But the fact that Allah didn't give us this teaches us that from the principles of the Qur'an is that anything extra to requirement, Allah doesn't mention it in the Qur'an. And that is why the Qur'an is the best book. And that is why no one will be able to produce anything like the Qur'an. So the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here in this ayah and in this surah, right? Uh, ayah number 52 in Surah Al-Hajj, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions Nabi and Rasul. This teaches us that there is a difference between the two. So this is the second evidence offered by uh, the scholars who say that every messenger is a prophet and not every prophet is um, a messenger. So what is the real difference between the two? How can we explain it? 
We've just understood that uh, revelation goes to a Nabi as well, as we've understood in, 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 in this ayah. So is it correct to say a messenger is someone who was given a book, and a prophet is someone who wasn't given a book? Well, based on this ayah, we would say that is not a precise explanation. So what is the precise explanation? The precise explanation, and Allah knows best, and, and, and this is the explanation shared to us by our Shaykh Salih al-Sheikh, Hafizahullah. Uh, he says that the correct explanation in terms of citing the difference between a prophet and a messenger is that a messenger is one who was sent to a people that went astray and went against the revelation that was given to them. A messenger is a prophet that was sent to a people that went against what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to them via a previous prophet. Right? So guidance was given to them and they went against that guidance and now a messenger went to them to bring them back to the straight path. So this teaches us that these people were messengers before Allah revealed to them. They were messengers before Allah gave them a book. Right? As long as they were sent to a people who went off the straight path, off the teachings of what was revealed to them, then these people were messengers. Even if a book was not revealed to them yet. Right. And we understand this from the Qur'an. Right? As uh, Allah says in His Qur'an, إِنَّا رَسُولَ رَبِّكَ Right? When Allah is telling us uh, uh, the, the, the statement of those that were sent to a people that we are messengers from your Lord. Which means these people knew that they had a Lord. And guidance came to them before, but they went off the guidance. Now, as for a prophet, then a prophet is someone who Allah revealed to. However, this prophet was not commanded to convey the revelation. Number one. And number two, this prophet was commanded to convey, but not to a people that went against the message of the previous revelation. But rather conveyed to a people who were upon guidance. So pay attention uh, to the explanation of who a Nabi is. A Nabi is one of two explanations. The first explanation is, we call him a Nabi. We call him a Nabi if Allah revealed to him, but didn't command him to convey the message. So he had revelation. Because we've established that Allah has revealed to both prophets and both messengers. Right? But a Nabi is someone who Allah revealed to, but didn't command him to convey. This is a Nabi. Or Allah commanded him to convey. But the people he was conveying to were people who were upon guidance already. Were people who were upon guidance already. Now, who can give me an example of a Nabi based on what I have said? Does anyone have an idea of who we can call a Nabi based on, 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 on or especially uh, the second explanation, that you know, he's a Nabi who 
who revealed to people who are already uh, who Allah revealed to, uh, but Allah but He was sent to people who are already upon guidance. Adam alayhi salam. Well done, Muhammad. Adam alayhi salam. Adam alayhi salam is is a is a nabi. He was a nabi before Hawa alayhi salam, and he was a nabi after Hawa alayhi salam. So, uh, you know, this could be a quiz, by the way, right? Who was a nabi? <laughs> Two, uh, twice, uh, right? Who became a, a nabi two times, right? A nabi twice is Adam alayhi salam. For Adam alayhi salam was a nabi before Hawa, because after Adam was created there was no one, but he was a nabi because Allah revealed to him. Allah spoke to Adam alayhi salam, right? And he was also a nabi after Hawa alayhi salam because Allah revealed to him, but Hawa was from the guided. Walillahi alhamd. Right? And the children of Adam alayhi salam was from the guided as well. Right? Walillahi alhamd. So, uh, Adam alayhi salam was amidst a people who were upon guidance. So, Adam alayhi salam fits this description, uh, or both descriptions rather. The one who Allah revealed to, but didn't command him to convey, like the case of Adam before the creation of Hawa alayhi salam, as well as the one who Allah revealed to, and commanded him to convey to a people who were guided already. Like the case of Adam alayhi salam, after the creation of Hawa alayhi salam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Knows best. And another evidence, brothers and sisters, uh, that teaches us that there is a difference between a Rasul and a Nabi, is the first statement that I shared with you, when I told you that Allah creates and Allah chooses. Right? Because in the hadith of Abu Dharr, radiyallahu an, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam teaches us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created, or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose 124,000 people from the children of Adam alayhi salam to be prophets. And he chose 313 from them to be messengers. He chose 313 from them to be messengers. If a Rasul and a Nabi was one and the same thing, then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam would have not mentioned 313 after mentioning 124,000. So brothers and sisters, uh, this is basically a discussion surrounding how Allah chooses and how Allah creates and how Allah gives a precedence to those whom, uh, whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills uh, over others. And um, inshallah, when we come back, Next Saturday, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, should Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us life, then bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, we will discuss um, further examples of hal, ha, uh, further examples uh, which explain this ayah, wallahu yakhluqu ma yasha'u wa yakhtar, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Just before you leave, brothers and sisters, the first prophet was uh, Adam alayhi salam, and the first messenger was Nuh alayhi salam, was Nuh Um, As you traverse through this week, my dear brothers and sisters, try and remember this ayah. That Allah creates what He wants, when He wants, how He wants. And Allah gives a special rank to certain parts of His creation over others. Try and ponder over this ayah with everything that you see, everything that you experience. Inshallah, it will bring you closer to the ayah and allow the ayah to resonate with you better and allow the ayah to stick with you forever. بإذن الله تعالى
ta'ala. My dear brothers and sisters, this brings us to the end of today's class. Um, given the technical difficulties at the beginning, I've chosen to run the class uh, right uh, till uh, the end of time, inshallah. As for the questions and answers, uh, please feel free to email me and please feel free to use the forums. Uh, Brother Hisham uh, has informed me that the uh, forums for the brothers has been uh, completed. Um, what is left is uh, the forum for the sisters. Please use those forums, my dear brothers and sisters, and, and benefit each other, uh, You know, ask each other questions, um, and share with each other some of your contemplations over the course of the week based on um, the lessons that we have taken today. I love you all for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive any mistakes. Everything correct said is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And any mistakes are from myself and shaitan. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive me until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unites us again. Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyina muhammad wa ala على آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته